So, any thoughts about this? You know, it's, I think, well, no, I asked a question. I'm going to shut up and see if I get any answers. How's that? Any thoughts about this? Waste your time, yeah? In other words, what we could add to that, Tim, where Paul says, I walk circumspectly knowing that, that the days are evil. In other words, I circumvent things circumspectly. That's what that would mean in the Greek. So he's walking carefully and not wasting your time. He didn't say anything concerning a redeeming value, did he? So he's still in that, that place where he's almost like asking what's the, what difference does it make? So he's having to work through that process. And you don't, you don't get to the end of this book without working your way through these things. And, and really to ask these questions and to put them before yourself. Because, you know, when you're going through very difficult times, I think sometimes the worst thing that another person can do is to tell you it's going to be okay. Um, and think about eternity. Now, all of that's true, but, but it's almost like, and I remember one time I wanted so bad to ask somebody who told me that, do you think I never read the Bible? You know, Job pretty much said that without really saying it in that way. You know, um, You know, just because we go through hard times doesn't mean we jettison or forget all of what God has proclaimed in his word. But we have to, we have to uh, um, come to terms with the current situation that we're, we're, we're living in. Uh, any other thoughts? Yep. Because you were a bad person. Every once in a while I'll say to Mary, you must have been a bad person in your last life. And I'm not going to tell you why I say that to her. <laughs> but, uh, of course, we're joking. But, yeah, I think there is that presumptuousness that, you know, if, if, if you had enough faith, God would heal you, or God is using this to punish you, or uh, these other things that, quite frankly, these are judgment calls that often are beyond our pay grade. And that's really what much of what the book of Job is about. That This stuff is really beyond our pay grade. Anybody else have any thoughts on this? You notice the repetition? I don't know if that was chastisement as much as simply they were having a dialogue. And Job is bringing his case before God, and God is answering him in such a way of saying, I'm sovereign, and you're going to have to grab a hold of and learn a new way to trust me. I, I, don't, I don't see that as chastisement uh, because if you remember at the very end of the book, who were the people in sin? It wasn't Job. It was the, the four 
counselors, three, and then the guy who came along at the end. And what did Job do? He offered a sacrifice for them, which tells me he was blameless. So that, that's how I would look at that. Um, it's a lesson for future generations. It's probably a lesson that I mentioned at the end of last week. It's a lesson that each generation really needs to, you have to, this is, this is a type of learning, and it goes with the Greek word gnosis, which is spelled with a G-N-O-S-I-S. Um, there's an equivalent, and maybe I can find it for you in this, ver- in this passage. Maybe I can't, but I'll try. Uh, oh, perceived. Oh, um, t- so that I don't forget, I'm going to tell you now. Right around toward the end of this passage, where it says, therefore, I hated life. No, that's not it. Um, verse 14, but the fool walks in darkness, no, darkness, yet I myself perceive. It's akin to the Greek word gnosis, uh, and the, and which is similar to the Greek word prognosko, which means to know by experience. But this word perceived, and I did not write down the Hebrew word. I'm horrible at Hebrew words. It really does mean the same thing or the idea of knowing by experience. In fact, it's, it's a euphemism for uh, a, a man and a wife coming together. Um, no? Okay, yeah, okay. So, and my thought on this, okay, so you're, Pat, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play off of this. Um, it's given to future generations, no doubt that's what the Holy Spirit had in mind. So, in, in verse 12... It says, then I, okay, Solomon, uh, I turn myself to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. Now, my thought on this is that if he's going to do this with any form of truthfulness or accuracy, he has to be somewhat wise to be able to do it. You wouldn't really want a fool to try to discern, to discern wisdom. Is it cooler back there for you? Well, there's nothing I can do about that now. Uh, it's not open. It should be. Ask Bill. He knows everything that goes on back there. The, the, okay. You can move the chair, too, if you want to sit directly underneath it. I'm fine. You can move the chair. Um, I think you pull up or down. Anyway. Um, that's why we have the door shut so it'll stay cooler in here. I think it takes wisdom to to understand these things, including madness and folly. Um, and, and, and so you, you have these, these words, ESV. I considered wisdom, madness, and folly. Same thing. NASB 2020 verse 12 says I considered probably wisdom. And what else? Mary, do you have that for us in verse 12? Sanity, foolishness. NIV says wisdom, madness, folly. We have a King James person here tonight. So what do you got in verse 12? Wisdom... Okay, anybody else have anything else? Anybody want to have anything? No, I'm kidding. All right. Um, 
What are these things? All right, we've talked about wisdom, so I'm not going to rehash that. All right. But this idea of, of madness, um, this word, the way it's used, it, it has the connotation in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 13, of someone who is insane. I'm not going to take the time to go to 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 13. It's a reference to Saul, but I'll let you look at it later. And then Jeremiah 25, 16 uses this word to describe the drunkenness, whether it refers to the literal drunkenness or a drunkenness of a, on a spiritual sense, but the drunkenness of uh, the Jews, of, of Jerusalem. And, and so, th- it, so it implies this, this, this place of someone who's really impaired. Um, it really is used quite a bit um, in the Old Testament when it describes someone um, who really is uh, walking away from God or has walked away from God. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1.17, it's used. And, and where it says, I set my heart, you know, again, to know wisdom, uh, madness, and folly. So notice he's repeating himself. That's important. That, this, this idea of grasping for the wind, vexation of spirit, I think it says. That's why I had you read it again uh, in a different verse for us. Because that's repeated as well. That's, that's an important thing to, to, to understand in looking at this passage. So, um, so it, the root of this word, which is translated madness, uh, is often applied to wickedness in Psalm 5, Psalm 73, Psalm 75, and later on we'll look at Ecclesiastes 7.25 when we'll look at this again. So it, it's, it's, it's um, applying this idea of, of, of wickedness involved in, in the madness, and which would, would make sense concerning Saul, wouldn't it? Now, I'm not talking about Saul who became Paul. I'm talking about Saul who was the king of Israel. And, uh, but he, he was uh, someone who was mad and, and, and with a wickedness that was kind of intermixed in it. Uh, interesting, too, that this word can describe someone who is loud and boisterous and nonsensical both in their behavior and in their mindset. I'm talking really loud, so I'm all of a sudden really self-conscious of that. But it's, it, it can refer to someone who's loud, boisterous, uh, nonsensical behavior and mindset. I remember one time, Ken, I don't know if you remember this. There was a, there was a guy, first time in. We were meeting in the other, in the other room a okay, long time ago. He comes in, he's this big guy, big booming voice, and he's standing in the middle of the room, and it's like he's wanting to control the whole room. And I remember that you and I just looked at each other like, oh, brother, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. I'll, I'll fill you in later. But, uh, cause, um, but it was like, we just met this guy a minute and a half ago. And, you know, he's, you know, he's like right in the middle of the room. We're in the other room, you know, and he's talking really loud. And, and it's just like, this is weird. You know, it, it just felt really strange. That's why I think you and I met eyes and we're like, what's going on here? Can't go get him. But anyway, uh, <laughs> But, but, that, but that's kind of referring to what, what this is over there. You know, you, have you ever met those people? I'm sure you have. That whenever they come into a room, they, they have to have the center of the attention all the time. 
we, we've never met people like that before, now have we? But, but, but nonetheless, <laughs> wanting to, to come in and just, just be the center of attention. That's kind of what this is referring to. So implied in it is this really almost this narcissistic type of thinking. So um, that's madness. One, I'm working off the definition of the word in the Hebrew. All right? Second of all, he says, I turned myself to consider. So he's giving thought to these things. It, it may not be so much he's totally entering into them himself. Now, um, he says this earlier. Chapter 1, verse 17, right? says the same thing. So, um, I set my heart to know wisdom. I set my heart. You know, he decided within himself that he was going to... to become acquainted with these things. Because he's, he's looking, let, let, me, let me project ahead of him a little bit and come back. He's looking ahead and he realizes that everybody dies. Whether you're a fool, whether you're wise, whether you're insane. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm, I'm understanding the angle that you're talking about too, Pat, with clinical depression, okay? Which I, that's, I, I, oh, I just woke up. Okay, but anyway, so I understand a little bit of that angle of what you're talking about, but I, I don't see that bore in the definition of the word. And not only is Hebrew much difficult to deal with, but for some reason, some of these theological word book of the Old Testament are even more difficult to deal with because they're intermixed. You've got to read them in a way because the, 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 the lines... The reading, the paragraphs are intermixed between Hebrew and English. And it's like, ah. But anyway, so I'm not sure that that would be the case. I don't have the shirt on tonight. But your mileage may vary. Because I don't, I don't hold him to fault here. You know, I, I, some of the comments, this, not really even this week, but last week and a couple weeks past, is, well, he's this, this, and this. I, I think he's... He's really deeply reflecting and attempting through his wisdom that God gave him to understand beyond his own experience. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's part of it, though. Is I, I would see this more of it as he's exploring these things rather than jumping into the realm of depression. If you want to talk about depression, we can go into the book of Job next. And, and, and that's depression. Um, and in my mind, completely understood. And if my thought, and this is just me, your mileage may vary, but if Job wasn't depressed, I think there was something wrong with him. What do you think? He's still working through it. And, and that's what I love about this book is that that he isn't, you know, the, the problem, I think, sometimes with evangelical Christianity is that we refuse to lament. We refuse to be sad. We refuse to deal with the difficulties of life. And, and um, the name it, claim it theology, which I disagree with, 
has infected mainline evangelicalism, I think, more than we know with this pie-in-the-sky mentality. That's just my opinion. I, and, and I know some people that's like, you know, um, I won't give you the example because it'll just make me mad. But uh, very pie-in-the-sky. You know, and it's like, well, I'm glad that you feel this way, that this person is dying, but what about their loved ones? And it was just like, do you have a heart? You know, where's your, Jesus wept. What about you? Never mind. Anyway, I got to get off that one. But um, so, yeah, I don't even know if it's cynicism, but I'm cynical of your diagnosis on that. How's that? (laughs) For whatever it's worth. Okay. So foolishness. Yeah. But I think, I think he's, I think he's looking beyond the palace. I think he's looking beyond his own experience. Yeah, and, I, and so I think he's looking beyond the, okay, show of hands. How's that? Have you ever had a situation, thank you, Daniel, I appreciate that. <laughs> Daniel was preemptive. Have you ever had a situation in your life that you did not understand? And you were like, why does this even happen? And have you had situations in your life that you still don't know why they happened? I raised mine for you. Anyway, anyway, Jeff, not so much, but that's okay. He, he, he didn't get the clue. You didn't get the memo on that, did you? Okay, now you're fine. Yeah, well, I mean, part of this has to do with our personality character makeup as well. So I spent a lot of time thinking about things. Uh, I started to say foolishness, and then Clay spoke up. And, and I don't think there's a correlation, but Clay, Clay's got a thick hide, so I know I can mess with him on that. Okay, so foolishness, which really is a, is a, a distinction from uh, wisdom, but the definition of the word out of the Greek, sorry, out of the Hebrew, the other Greek. It usually expresses a lack of moral or spiritual sense. See the difference between that and madness, where it can be insanity? Someone who has a lack of moral or spiritual sense. We went, when I was in Tahoe, we went into a weird visitation situation so the pastor's like i want you to come with me i'm like okay so it's a in a trailer park um in a trailer park that in south lake tahoe and it's one of the worst places it it, it looked like felt like i was in a third world nation so we go to the trailer no running water no electricity right they, they, she bathes in the Truckee River, all right? Um, and she was living with this guy, and, and she'd come to church, and she had some questions, and, you know, and, and, of course, part of it was, why is my life such a mess? Well, you're living with this guy, for starters, right? And, but she, that, that was so beyond her. She goes, well, the, I, really, the only thing I really don't like is when he ties me up before we have sex. 
and you bathe in the Truckee River that flows into Lake Nevermind. Anyway, and, and, and so it, the pastor, I, and I really liked his response. He had a good response on this. He says, does it even occur to you at all that you're in sin and you're violating God's word? And she had to think about that. Yeah, but, you know, I really don't like it when he does this and that, right? You know, and it, it was like it was be, whew, clear for low approach, out above 600 feet, men and equipment on runway, right? I mean, it was beyond her ability, it felt like, to understand. Perhaps she wasn't born again. Perhaps there was a little bit of madness in there as well that worked its way out in foolishness but no moral nor spiritual understanding uh just a lack of that um saul saul he 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 even says he confesses um that he was the fool if you remember first samuel 13 and he's expressing his lack of spiritual comprehension is what he's expressing now, granted, nobody here, but do you ever talk to people who just don't get it? <laughs> Could it be sometimes that maybe you don't get it? I mean, that, that's a tough one. That, that can be a tough one. Um, but it, it, this, this, the, now, this is a noun. So I did do some of my work on this, Okay. The verb form of this noun. I thought this was interesting, so I wanted to throw this out here for you. It's in the context often where the subject, where the man, Saul, for example, David actually did some foolish things, did he not? Yes, he did. Uh, It's usually in the context where the subject, or the, the, the one doing the action, acts out of fear and then because of that behaves rashly rather than acting wisely in confidence in his confidence in God. So he's, he's acting out of fear. He's acting irrationally. Uh, and David, when he, when he took the census, uh, he wanted to determine his military strength. And, and the Lord said it was foolish. 2 Samuel 24, verse 10. 1 Chronicles 21, verse 8. Um, Saul, again, recognizes his own foolishness. I gave you one verse, but it was also in 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 21. David, which is interesting because we remember when Absalom rebelled against David. And Absalom kind of split the, even the, the advisors. And remember who Ahithophel was? He was one of the advisors of David. He was actually the uncle of Bathsheba, by the way. But Ahithophel was one of David's counselors, and when Absalom revolted, Ahithophel stayed with Absalom. And so David prays for Samuel, 2 Samuel 15 that, the, that, that the, um, the counsel of Ahithophel would lead to a, uh, a foolish, hasty, rash behavior. 
And if you remember the story, when Ahithophel realized that David had defeated Absalom, what did he do? First Samuel 15, it tells us he did what? He went out and hung himself. Which is interesting because you only have two people who hang themselves in the Bible. One of them's Judas, the other one's Ahithophel. Judas, Ahithophel was kind of a Judas type, if you will. David also being a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, a typology, not, not you know, just representing him. Okay, so, um, so that's, that's, that is what Solomon is endeavoring to try to wrap his head around. Because there have been times that, is, you know, and I remember I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and it was like, and I didn't use these words, but I meant this concept. I was talking about a conversation I was having with another person. I thought, this really sounds foolish to me. It sounds very foolish to me. Is it that person? Or is it me? That's what I asked my friend. I said, because we are, we are, in, we are in two different universes. And, and it the answer could have also been neither. But, but nonetheless... Um, this idea of foolishness, of a lack of moral, a lack of spiritual sense. So, if you haven't read Proverbs 3 today, today is August 3rd, right? Will be all day? Well, until midnight. It addresses this. And it's really Proverbs 3 is one of my favorite Proverbs um, where it tells the trust in the Lord with all your heart to not to lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will do what? He will direct your paths. Is that a promise? No, I don't think it is. Sorry. I wish it was. I hope it is. But is, I threw up my notes and I've lost it. Um, I found it. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he, he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is that a promise? It's a proverb. Proverbs, and that's why I brought this up, so that I'm, I'm on a side trip. Proverbs are things that are described that are generally true. But I know some people who grew up in good godly homes, at least those homes claim to be good godly, and they no longer walk with the Lord. Now, every home is going to have some kind of problem, right? Except for ours, right? No. But anyway, every home is going to have some kind of problem. There, there, there's some kind of deficiency somewhere. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I'm back in Proverbs 3 again, right? And he will direct your paths. I think primarily that is something that's true. And I think that that is something that we are essentially commanded to do. And... So I say in that respect, that respect, I would agree with you that it, it does come across like a promise. I would feel a whole lot more comfortable banking on that with Proverbs 3 than I would Proverbs 22. Why? 
because Proverbs 22 involves a third party of whom I may not have any control over. So we all have adult kids, or most of us, right? And do they do exactly what we tell them to do now? Of course, did they ever? (laughs) So that's another way to kind of try to take these things into consideration. Proverbs 22 refers to a third party. And especially in today's culture, it used to be when they turned 18, they were an adult. Today it's like, well, I'm, I'm not, t- well, they have the autonomy, you know, a lot of them are like, they're like, they're like, they're like 18 going on six, right? But they have the, a lot of them have the autonomy uh, even before then. And I've seen cases here where the state stepped in, you know, and it was like, wow. Um, so he is looking to evaluate these three things in the context of he being the wisest person who has ever been born because he was given the wisdom by God. Let's continue to move on. Um, I realize that all of a sudden we're almost out of time. It says there, then I saw that wisdom exceeds folly. So he, he's starting to tie this up for you. Hope clay. In you know, a little bit, anyway, maybe not. Wisdom exceeds folly, as light excels darkness, or as the ESV, it's thirteen, right? There is more gain in light than darkness. In the ESV, there is more gain in light than darkness. Um, Uh, And the wise man's eyes are in his head. But the fool walks in darkness, yet I myself perceive that the same events happen to them all. Um, So does wisdom exceed folly? That's what he says, isn't it? Has that been your experience? So I don't think I'm ever going to make a New Year's resolution that in the year 2023, I want to see how foolish I can be. Not only for the year, but each and every day, right? I, I, you know, obviously we don't want to do that. Why? Because we have seen, now, don't raise your hands. Have you ever been foolish? Of course not. Um, but have we ever dealt with bad consequences because of our foolish decisions? Yes. So wisdom does exceed folly. And so by and large, I would think that wisdom is more of a safeguard. So the more I'm thinking about your response on Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, the more I'm starting to possibly agree with you, Clay. It, it does feel like this, this promise. Because if we trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding in all our ways, uh, all our ways acknowledge him. Thank you. Uh, he he will direct our path. He's not going to leave us out in the. Now he might leave us out in the desert, but that might be how he's directing our path. 
The problem with that verse is often that I, that's when I want to give God a consult. Don't you? Of course. Okay, direct my path. That means you're going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to be happy. Right? But it doesn't work that way. And I don't know how much of my life, this is right, I'm shooting from the hip here. I, I don't know how much of my life is such that I, I don't always get what I want, but I also recognize that there are times that I probably don't even know what I want, or the things that I think I want, I probably don't want them, or have you ever gotten something that after you got it, you realize you didn't want it anyway, right? And, and I'm not just talking about material possessions, but, but I, I think sometimes that, that, and I hate this, to be honest with you, but I, I'm, I'm trying to learn that I'm not always the best person to make a decision about what it is that we should do, I should do. Where, you know, what, what is it that we are moving on to? You know, what is it that you would have me do? And so that, that's where it becomes, I, I think, difficult. Um, but I want to finish verse 14. Um, fools walk in darkness. Um, his ability to understand and apply truth uh, and his manner of living, that's what this is referring to. He has an inability to understand and apply truth. And therefore, his manner of living reflects it. Remember the, the, the illustration I talked about about the idiot who, who poured a pitcher of beer in his cowboy boot and then drank it out of the cowboy boot? Uh, he then died three days later. No, I'm kidding. But it was like, I, I remember watching this, and I'm thinking, I've seen stupid things before. But this has got to be probably, th- this is definitely top three. You know, and, and uh, just totally unaware of what, of what he looked like. And the, but this idea perceived... Um, and I referred to this earlier, I'm going to touch on it and keep going. It's wrapped around this Hebrew word yada, Y-A-D-A. And um, it, it's the idea of knowing something intimately. The idea of having an intimate first-hand knowledge. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, 2.3 talks about it as well. I searched my heart um, how to gratify my flesh with wine, guiding my heart with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons uh, of men to do under all the days of their lives. Excuse me. So what he's saying here is that he perceived, I myself perceived that the same events happened to all. So the, I, I like the idea. The more I think about the, so the, the, the Canes get the award of the night. Uh, the journal and sitting on the back porch, ours would be front porch, no, back porch, with Grandpa. Um, I, th- this se- seems to me that that's what he's really doing here. He's reflecting, and he's, he's paying attention. I think that's one of the things that we need to grab out of this little passage. Um, even though we're still, we, we're still not tying the loose ends. There's a lot of loose ends, right, Clay? A lot of loose ends going on here. But what we see him doing is paying attention. What we see him doing is practicing 
what is really considered a spiritual discipline. Well, that's a big Bible. But anyway, um, hold that up real fast. Okay, good enough. Thanks. All right, that thing's thick. Anyway, um, don't hit anybody with that. Bible thumper. But anyway, um, oh, no, it was, we're just having fun. But anyway, um, awareness is really a spiritual discipline. It really is. And Mary and I were talking about something that she was sent, about spending time with God and such. And, and, but the reality is, are you aware of God's presence with you in each and every moment of every day? Now, maybe you're more than you think. I'm not talking about always, oh, I better pray right now. You know, although does the Bible say pray without ceasing? Yes, it does. But there are other aspects of prayer. I'm out of time anyway, or almost out of time anyway. Tim, can I have a few minutes? Thank you very much. But, but I don't want to get into that tonight. I see the look on your face. Um, but perhaps you are more aware of the presence of God in your life than you think. Perhaps you perceive, I'm tying this back into the text, Perhaps you have greater intimate knowledge presented to you than you're often aware of, of what God is doing. You ever think about that? What is that? It's a proverb. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search out a matter. So we, are we kings? We are, according to 1 Peter. Or, well, kings, okay. We're royalty. We're, we're a royal priesthood. So, are we aware? Because if you're aware, when you write your journal, you'll have things to write about. I'm laughing because I think of my English composition class that I really did not take advantage of. And I, we had to write every day. We had a journal every day, and I hated it. So I would write, I'm tired, I don't feel like writing today. And I would hand it in. Um, I wasn't the best high school student, right? <laughs> Such as it is, right? Um, but Proverbs 2, verse 5, it says, when you understand, then, it says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. Proverbs 2, 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge. There's that word again. Perceiving. Find knowledge of God. So it it, is recognizing, is is God involved in everything that's going on in your life or is he just out and about and does what he wants and he kind of comes in and he visits a little bit and you have a cup of coffee and then you're kind of done for the rest of the day or he might stop in for an afternoon snack or maybe he comes in to tuck you in at night. Or is he with you in every single moment of your life? Okay. I would agree with you. I think he is with us in every single moment of our life. And and it... I'm going to really miss the mark on this. Sorry. Because I, I can sense that you're like, hmm. But... Being with God 
fellowshipping with God does not always have to be this incredible, monumental, oh my goodness, over-the-top spiritual experience. Do we have those experiences from time to time? Yes, we do. But if it's true, Paul, Mars Hill, I think it's Acts 17. If it is true, now he's, he's quoting from a pagan poet when he says, in him we live and we move and we have our being. Which to me is huge. If it is true that in him we live, we move, and we have our being, that really ties into Proverbs 3, 5. So I'm sorry I disagree with you at this point. Anyway, um, the more I think about it. But um, nobody's perfect, right? But nonetheless, he's paying attention that the same events happen to them all. Now, a lot of commentators wanted to say he was talking about death. I think he is talking about death, but it says events, plural. So the same kind of things. You ever known why people, wise people go, who go bankrupt? I've met a few. Stuff happens. Sometimes things are beyond your control. And there's very little you can do about it. Um, So verse 15, I'll finish. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, this is also vanity. Who's he talking to when he says in his heart? He's talking to himself. He's reflecting. And some people get upset when I say this. And believe me, I I don't, if you're on Facebook, post whatever you want. I rarely go on. I rarely see any of your posts, okay? Uh, But Solomon talked to himself. He didn't go and shout it from the rooftop. He said it in his heart. He gave some time to really get it out in front of him. Whatever it is, get it out in front of him. And really begin to think it through, meditate it through, pray it through, consider it through, journal it through, talk to grandpa on the back porch about it through. In other words, he is really seeking to be involved in understanding the processes of life. Not just his own, but of those who are around him. And he says in his heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. Why then was I more wise? And I said to my wife, said this in my heart, this is also vanity. And that's where I'm going to leave it. But I, because I think what he might be attempting to do, and maybe this will give you a little closure, is he's attempting to put these things in their proper perspective. And put life in its proper perspective. Because life, among other things, is very distracting. If you don't believe me, go a couple days without television, radio, internet, cell phone. And I remember a guy told me that, that he loves to get away and 
he, he just prays for hours, which I'm not so sure I believe him. But anyway, he, that's what he said he did. Got rid of all that stuff. And I remember one of the other, it was in a pastor's meeting. Uh, God help us. But anyway, that one of the other guys says, I couldn't do that, man. I would be so bored. I would be so bored. And what I thought of much later, years later, which I probably should have said to him then, but it would have just made him angry. Perhaps distraction has been become so normalized in his life that he doesn't know how to function without it. I'm not saying that the TV is bad necessarily, that the Internet's bad, that the cell phone's bad, that the radio is bad, but I, I'm saying here that, that uh, what he, he's saying here, it, it, what, what Paul Solomon is saying here is that if, if that becomes my focus, if that becomes that which moves me, that which I have to have around me, uh, this really vanity. Even if I am wise. So what if I'm wise? The same things that happen to the foolish guy happens to me. So he's, he's in that statement, he's asking a higher question. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because what he's really saying is what else is there? That's where he's going. He's still working through the process. He's still working through the process, but he's, he, he's, he's seeing all that he has in front of him and saying there's got to be something else. At least I'm convinced that's what he's saying. That's why he hates life. Because of the work that is done under the sun, you know, which we will talk about next week.